God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, today we will be looking at evangelism according to Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, please take it out. I'll be reading from the CSB. I'm trying to get my notes ready to, for some reason it's not loading. Okay, now it's up. So I'll open it up to John 14, 6, Luke, and Luke 6, 13, if you have that with you. Today we will be ending this summer series. Well, Oscar will be speaking next week, um, but <laughs> we, we, we are at the last leg of these reflections of just, you know, you could call it series, but it's just different types of talks sermons that are, are with regards to what we have in our heart that we believe that the Lord has given us for the church. Um, and today we end th these conversations with evangelism. Next week after Oscar speaks, uh, actually in two weeks then, um, it'll be, we'll start a series that will be somewhat long. It'll be uh, the fall series, which It'll be similar to the Kingdom series that we had last year, but instead of looking at the Kingdom, we'll be looking at the Biblical theme of work. So, if you want to invite people who want to understand more about work, uh, feel free to invite them. Um, and you, come ready to learn, come ready with uh, an open heart, bring a notepad, have your hearts ready to hear whatever God has in store for us. But, again, for today, uh, John 14, 6, and then after that I'll be reading Luke 6, 13. John 14, 6 goes like this. Je Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Luke 6, 13 when day daylight came, he summoned his disciples, and he chose twelve of them, whom he also named apostles. Jesus is the way. No one can go to God except through Jesus. This is important news, and we need to get this news out there, that the way to relationship with the Father is through Jesus. Jesus is the way. This is important and good news. News for everyone to hear. News that we need to preach through our lives, through our deeds, through our relationships, through our habits, and through our words. Today I want us to look at Jesus and how He evangelized, how He showed the world that He is the way to the Father. How, how did Jesus tell others that He is the way to the Father? But before going further, let us all pray. Lord, we wait 
on you, on your spirit. More than anything, we want you. Let us not let this day go, let this service go without hearing from you, without your spirit. We rely on you. We need you. Be with us as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Besides a Bible with, uh, that is in a easy-to-read translation, I recommend two sources for new Christians. The first one is the Bible Project. It's a YouTube channel that produces free adult cartoons to help us understand the Bible. And the founder of the nonprofit was my professor. He was actually my professor this summer. Kind of neat. And I, I've shown these videos within um, my sermons in the past. They're super good, and I encourage all Christians to check them out. Another resource that I recommend is this free series called The Chosen. The Chosen is very good. If you've ever binged a show on Netflix, you probably have an idea of what this show is like. The, the director of The Chosen wanted to make a bingeable show for the most important story, the life of Christ. Currently, there are two seasons out, and Elida and I binged them maybe two months ago or so. Super good, and I cried in basically every episode. Elida could attest to that. She would like touch my face to see if I'm crying. We would watch it in bedroom. And, and lo and behold, I did have some tears. And she's like, she's like you are crying to just check. And that, it's just that good. Since The Chosen intends to have several seasons, it takes its time to develop the characters. You really see the characters of the Bible come to life and they are relatable and there's several things that become real to you when you see the Bible in live action. And one of those things is that Jesus was human. Yes, he is truly God, but at the same time he was truly man and he still is. Another thing is that what we read about in the Bible, the, the ministry of Jesus. It, it wasn't just something that he did on the Sabbath. His ministry didn't just revolve around what took place within the temple. No, the ministry of Jesus took place on the streets, on the roads, in the house of sinners, in the, in the house of fishermen, in the big cities, in the small cities, near the sea, or on a mountain. It took place wherever he wanted to minister. It took place on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It wasn't just a one-day type of thing. Jesus understood the mission that the Father had given him. And this mission wasn't a one-time type of thing. This mission was essential to his life. This mission wasn't just a one-time type, one type of thing. It was, it was a lifestyle. Jesus demonstrated that he was the source of life. Jesus demonstrated that he has brought 
salvation to all. And Jesus expected that this would be multiplied. He, he expected that his followers would follow the model that he demonstrated. Therefore, since we consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, we should follow his model. We show that Jesus is the source of life. He is the source of our life, not just on Sundays, but on Mondays, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, on Thursdays, on Fridays, on Saturdays, at our homes, at our hangout places, at the park, at the lake, at the mall, everywhere we go, we demonstrate that Jesus has brought salvation to our lives. And this proclamation is not a one-time thing that we do on evangelism nights or stuff like that, although we should have organized outreach. This proclamation is essential to this Christian life. It is essential for the church to recognize that we are to do this, not just on Sundays, but we are supposed to work together to show that Jesus saves. Jesus speaking in Matthew 28, 19, he, he says, and it's, I've quoted it often because it's so central to our mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. From this verse, Encounter Church has developed its mission statement. We exist to reach, to reach the lost generation with the good news of Jesus Christ and to disciple students of the Bible. If you ask yourself, why do we do what we do? From the singing to gathering to the teaching, it's all because we want to reach the lost generation with the good news of Jesus and we want to make disciples of Jesus. In other words, we exist to do what Jesus told us to do, Amen. to go and to make disciples. Go to make disciples. But how are we going to do this? We need to be honest with ourselves. Have we been successful in demonstrating to others that Jesus has brought good news? Have we been successful in demonstrating to others that Jesus has brought good news. I'll let you answer that question yourself. We grow with each other, but do we grow by multiplying as Jesus multiplied his message? Hmm. And it's not just us, it's the church at large. More and more Christians are leaving the faith. In fact, part of the reason Encounter Church started is so that we could help as much as we could to change that trend. We are an evangelistic church. We want Lodi and the surrounding areas to thrive because they know Christ and the power of His resurrection. But we need to consider whether we have been effective in evangelizing. If you worked as a software engineer and you worked super hard for years but didn't create anything, even after working for so long, you would begin to ask yourself, 
Is this worth doing? Is this getting the job done? Is this working? And I think this is a question that the church at large should ask itself. This is a question that Encounter Church should ask itself. Are we being effective in evangelizing, in proclaiming the message to others? This is a question you should ask yourself. Are you being effective? Be honest with yourself. I am sure all of us could work on being more effective. But how do we become more effective? Is it by adopting the ways of the mega churches, of those successful churches? I say no, as I said when I first began these types of talks. We have a unique personality which we should use in our work. So from where can we learn if it's not from the mega churches? I suggest that we should learn from the master evangelist himself from Jesus Christ himself. How was he effective as an evangelist? Back to the chosen. Again, it has 16 episodes so far. And you see Jesus and how he evangelizes. Yes, he has a public ministry, but his ministry primarily focuses on 12 individuals, the apostles. The passage we read in the beginning, Luke 6, 13, tells us that Jesus chose 12 to spread his message. And we don't see in the scriptures that he was in a hurry to select the 12. You actually see it in the chosen so beautifully. It took them 16 episodes to finally get the 12 apostles. And I, I, I won't spoil it for you, but... It just takes Jesus a while to get everybody. Jesus wasn't hasty. He wasn't in a hurry. He waited until he was 30 to start his ministry. And in the meantime, all he was doing was working as a craftsman. He was not in a hurry, but he was determined. He was determined to spread his news. And he was determined he would spread his kingdom through 12 individuals. And even after he had chosen them, change didn't come right away. They would do the same thing. They would, do their, they would fall into the same bad habits. But Jesus was determined to use them. These 12 apostles, they, they weren't special. They weren't religious or political leaders. They were just average people. They were part of the working class. They were fishermen. One was a zealot, a rebel. Another was a tax collector. But no one expected that this group would win the world for Christ. But what mattered was that Jesus would devote most of his remaining life on earth with these few disciples. Let's reflect on this for a while. First, there are two things that we could extract from this. The first one is this. If God can use these disciples, He can use you. The disciples were far from perfect. Look at the chosen. It really shows their flaws. They 
they worked, they had family problems, they had social problems, and yet they would be the leaders of this Christian movement. It's okay if you have no church experience. It's okay if you've never worked with people. It's fine if you have done wrong before. If God can use the 12 apostles, God can use you. But you need to spend time with God. Yes, God used the apostles, but Jesus spent time with them for several years. Years. The apostles didn't just change right away. You, you can't expect that. You start serving and everything's going to change right away. No. The apostles had a whole bundle of problems. Peter denied Christ and was two-faced with the Jews and the Gentiles. So it's fine if you still have problems, but strive to work through them in, in community with the church, with the Lord. While Jesus is not bodily here, he is with us through his spirit and his word. Spend time praying, spend time reading, spend time with Jesus and let him mold you. So if God could use the apostles, he can use you. The second thing that we could extract from this is that Jesus focused on the few. And this few were underwhelming, you might say. Think, think about it, though. Throughout the Gospels, yes, you see Jesus with the masses sometimes. The crowds would be with them, teaching them. But he would regularly leave them. He knew that the crowds that went to see him were superficial. They just went because he was popular and had extraordinary power. Getting tongue twisted. But he would leave them to focus on the few. Imagine Jesus having a large event and he leaves the large event to go have a Bible study with just 12 people who weren't that important. People would think, that's crazy, but that's exactly what Jesus did. Because Jesus understood that he shouldn't waste his energy with those who are not serious about following Jesus. He'll love them, but he's going to devote his life to those who are willing to give up their lives for his. It might look sad, that Jesus only had a few disciples after he died. But he knew if he could transform the lives of a handful of individuals, these individuals can transform the world. And for true transformation to occur, it takes time Amen. and energy. It's not a one-time type of thing. It's spending years with them. Jesus spent years with his disciples. He couldn't do that with the masses. He wouldn't be effective with doing that with the masses. Jesus knew that his purpose was not trying to impress the crowds, but to usher in the kingdom. This meant he needed people who could lead. What good would it have been if he had a crowd following him? But no one really had grasped what Jesus was all about, what he taught. 
So he focused on a select few, people who were average. Jesus was a realist. He needed quality disciples over quantity of disciples. And realistically, Jesus could not give the type of personal care needed to the masses. He couldn't do it. It turns out that he could only give that to 12 people. Therefore, he focused on the 12. Robert E. Coleman, he worked with Billy Graham, and he wrote this book called Master Plan of Evangelism, which highly influenced my thinking on evangelism. He said, Jesus concentrated on those who were to be the beginning of this leadership. Though he did what he could to help the multitudes, he had to devote himself primarily to a few men rather than the masses, so that the masses could at last be saved. This was the genius of his strategy. Jesus did help the masses as much as he could, but he knew that if he wanted this, his message to spread after he died, he needed to focus on the select few. Churches want the multitudes. They want them to come in. They want more and more, more converts, more candidates for baptism, more members for the church, with little or no emphasis on spending personal or quality time to establish these souls in the love and power of God. Could it be that the church for so long has gotten things backwards? Instead of focusing on the few and helping the masses when possible, the church focuses on the masses and helping those serious about growing when possible. Jesus focused on a few. We, we, we need to recognize with evangelism how Jesus did it. It takes place over years. It takes place over eating together. It's not something that you do one, at a park one Saturday. It's not the crowds. No, it's about pouring yourself into a handful of individuals and helping them grow in Jesus as you grow in Jesus. By, by, by no means are we neglecting the world, but we are being resourceful with our time and our talents, focusing on fewer people. This does not mean that this is all we got. How many people are here? There's six people here. Yes, we, we focus on the few, but, but the few that we focus on should focus on another few, and those focus on others. Look at Paul. Look at Peter. They did ministry one by one. Jesus spent time with them, and they spent time with others, and the others made more disciples. So look at your relationships. Look at relationships that you can make and concentrate on them. This type of evangelism of focusing on the few, it's slower. It's not the fast type. But I think it's real. Not like the superficial kind. Getting them baptized as soon as you can type of evangelism. The slow type of evangelism is the type of evangelism 
Jesus practice with the disciples. It will be slow, tedious, because people are going to fall. You're, you're going to be like, no, we have advanced so much, and now you're falling again. But like, imagine Jesus and Peter. Like, come on, Peter, you know Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and now you're denying him. Like, you've gone so far, but then you're back here again, and you've fell. But that's how it is with people if we're going to work with them. It's not always going to be forward. It's not always taking a step forward. Sometimes they're going to be taking steps back. We've all done that. We're human. But what we are supposed to do, we are supposed to be with them for the ride, for this journey. We will work with them slowly. And even if they don't recognize that we're working with them, you might not get recognized but you will be making a real impact, an impact that will survive this generation. How are these relationships supposed to look like? Well, one main thing is just being there for them. I think that, has, that is what worked with Oscar and I. We made it a tradition to hang out every Thursday, try to go to the farmer's market, even if the farmer's market wasn't taking place, like last Sunday. <laughs> um, but we made it a tradition, and we were just there, present for one another. And we, we've gone through stuff together and grown in the Lord together. And it took place over time. That, that is how Jesus did it. He was with the disciples. He didn't always give a lecture, although he did at times. But he saw his presence with them as his own type of school and curriculum. It was primarily informal, how he discipled them, especially when we compare him to the Pharisees. But it was clear, if these disciples wanted to continue what Jesus was doing, if they wanted to preach or to cast out devils, they needed to be with Jesus. But it not that the way that we raise our children? We spend time with them over and over. And that's the best type of school for them, to learn, to continue, to, and to learn about our heritage, whether it's good or bad. We don't even need to give lectures. It's just by spending time with our children that they will end up acting like us. Jesus spent time with the disciples. In the series, in the Chosen series, you, could you see Jesus just traveling, going with the disciples, building up tents, just doing life together, walking with them, and sleeping in the same campsite together. They walked together on lonely roads. They sailed together. They prayed together. They went to church, or in that case, the synagogue together. Jesus' ministry evolved around the disciples. The disciples just saw Jesus, saw what He was doing. Again, he couldn't do this with everyone. He did what he could with 12. And what he did, he did through his presence. Don't feel guilty if you just spend time with people. If you are just there living life with people, your presence is super powerful. Preaching, Bible studies, Bible studies necessary, important. But they are never enough. Neither are prayer meetings or training classes. Truly building, making a difference in men and women, it's not easy. It takes personal attention, 
the type of attention that parents give their children. A class or organization or, or program can never evangelize. Children are raised by their parents being there. We need to be there for others then. That's evangelism. That is proclaiming that Jesus saves. We're saying by being there, we're demonstrating by being there that Jesus would be there. We are there because Jesus would be there for them, because he was there for us. The church at large has failed at this point. We, we don't like just hanging out. We always need to be doing things. We need classes. We need events. We need Bible studies. We need programs. We need worship services throughout the week. And while these things can be good, they are no substitutes for just being there for a person. When we substitute programs for presence, we are leaving the people all on their own to find the solutions to their innumerable practical problems confronting their lives. Any problem could mean disaster to their new faith. We need to spend time with them where conversations about anything are taking place. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, the Son of God, did not give the disciples a Bible study just for a couple of weeks and then left them. No, he spent years, at least three years, with his few disciples. And one of those disciples even left Jesus, was lost. So how can the church expect that it will change lives through a program or through one sermon or a conference or a gathering that just occurs a few days out of the year? It takes time. Studies show that it takes over a year for a person to finally commit to seriously following Christ. It takes time. You are the church. People are the church. It's not just about bringing a person to one of our church services, inviting them. It's more about being with them and living life with them. One of the worst things I have heard that pastors say is, you bring them, I'll save them. I'll never say that to you. I won't say, you bring them, I'll save them. What I will say is you spend time with those few people whom you can show the love of Christ to. Yes, we will have classes and programs. We're planning to have one, Lord willing, a super good one, but, and it's nice to have those things, but they're, no, they're, they're not a substitute for you being the hands and feet of Jesus. Go be the presence of Jesus by being present with people. And if you have any questions, feel free to talk about it with me. Just whatever's going on, feel free to talk about it with somebody else within the church. We can all work together. We can all learn from one another. Now I end with two quotes. The first is from the author that I mentioned earlier. We should not expect a great number to begin with, nor should we desire it. The best work is always done with a few. 
Better to give a year or so to one or two people who learn what it means to conquer for Christ than to spend a lifetime with a congregation just keeping the program going. And the second quote is from a book that helped me really understand God's love for me. Or I expounded that. It's, co- it's called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And the author, Brendan Manning, he wrote this. The ministry of evangel- evangelization is an extraordinary opportunity of showing gratitude to Jesus by passing on his gospel of grace to others. However, the conversion by concussion method with one sledgehammer blow the Bible after another betrays a basic disrespect for the dignity of the other and is utterly alien to the gospel imperative to bear witness. To evangelize, to evangelize a person is to say to him or her, you too are loved by God and the Lord Jesus. And not only to say it, but really think it and relate it to the man or woman so they can sense it, so they could feel that they are loved. This is what it means to announce the good news. But how is this possible? But that becomes possible only by offering that person your friendship. A friendship that is real, unselfish, without condescension, full of confidence and profound esteem. How do we evangelize? We evangelize by showing God's love. And how can we truly show God's love? Through friendships that take time, that are not superficial, that are real. That's how we evangelize. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And I I, I pray, Lord, that we may spend time with you and learn, learn about your comforting presence. I pray for everybody here that they may also reflect that comforting presence, that you are a friend to us. Now let us be friends to others. And through those friendships, we may show your love, your comfort, your peace, your your grace, your acceptance. Lord, Let us not be amused by the numbers, but let us just be real with those who you have brought to us. You know the people in our lives, God. Even now, you may be tugging our hearts in a certain way, showing us images of people, Lord, that we already have relationships with. Let us just be there for them and take our time with them and eat with them and live life with them and show them that you, God, are a loving God. That's how you did it, Jesus. You did it with 12 apostles. You took your time and 
And sometimes, you know, they messed up and we might get frustrated when we see our friends, our loved ones, our family members mess up. But Lord, you, you are always graceful towards them. And you're always graceful towards us. Let us extend that grace to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.